Yeah, you ever see an orc win a game of chess? Neither have I. It's January 12th, 2022. This is Rare Encounter, encounter number 80. And being Abel Kirby, I'm Abel Kirby. And tripling my baka, I'm cold acid. <laughs> baka, baka, baka. You know, that's a barn burner when Indeed. they play it when they play it at the live show. Speaking of vocaloid tracks. Oh man. Same with mischievous function. The other the other crazy one, if you're in the crowd, if you go to one of these concerts, they play Popey Po. But what about the vegetable juice? It's a it's a song about vegetable juice and how I've decided you should drink vegetable juice right now. Uh, it's a fun little meme video that uh, gets a full concert production if you go to one of the Vocaloid shows. It's uh, kind of wild. You know that it. all three of these, all three of these mentioned, are by the same guy, eh? Yeah. Lamaze P. I'm I. If that's his name, I just couldn't remember it. Yeah, Popipo, Ficaretta, and uh, Triple oh. Baca. Yeah, Fukaretta. Yeah, that's right. It is the same guy. The guy did Fukaretta too. That's another earworm. Another song. Well, that's the one that's all. Well, Fukureta is not the actual song. It's the it's the meme that goes with the song. Oh. The with the bobbing back and forth, and the shaking <laughs> hips. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that's a fun one. Oh man! So we got an out of cycle show out of the way. Yeah, it was a hell of a time too. <laughs> Could you imagine? I, I realized as we were doing it. I said, "Oh, Sir Spencer does this every night on Bowl After Bowl because they follow up, um, or every Tuesday, I should say, because they follow up the uh, DH Unplugged show. So they're mm-hmm. wait, they're ready to jump in. So it was a little cool uh, being able to jump in right after the No Agenda show, try and get in as smooth as we can. But I'll tell you what, all the feedback I got of of all the different things you could say about the show, you know what the number one thing people are saying to me? It's January 29th? What? Yeah, yeah, you time traveler, you. Yeah. Who, who the hell do you think you are? Dr. Emmett Brown? Well, I said it was an out-of-cycle show, so they should have known. <laughs> so the date was out of cycle as well, Yeah, obviously. the date was out of cycle as well. No, that was a lot of fun, and uh, thanks for... Uh, Thanks to uh, Ryan Bemrose and the No Agenda Stream for having us. Of course, we're streaming on the No Agenda Stream right now, uh, as we usually do, but we don't usually do it on uh, on Sunday night. We usually do it on Wednesdays, like tonight. It wasn't even Sunday night. It was Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Well, we got some uh, some foreplay. While we're on this, while we're on this little bit, we should we should just blow through the podcast uh, podcast stuff. Oh sure. Because our our show our show on Sunday made a big hit across <laughs> yeah. a few other shows in the No Agenda community. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, going down the ho- the, uh, the podcast run that we had Hog Story 253, Sugar Notes, and uh, that one was surprising. I was in the laundromat listening to that, and what did I hear but myself <laughs> saying stupid things? Oh, man. Yeah, and me and with my robot blowjobs. Your lo- robot blow. Well, I mean, it's such a winner. We had so many winners from that episode. We did. It was. It was. It was a little difficult. Well, no, there were, there were some things that were definitely easier than others to figure out in the, uh, in the post production. No. But yeah, we 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 had ISOs galore, and it wasn't just it wasn't just Hog Story, using clips of us either. Um, who else did it? I believe I did catch some clips of us on. Uh, Bowl after bowl on Tuesday, oh. and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the uh, 
the Scalies heard some of us as well Monday night. Oh, uh, yeah. I heard some out of, I listened to both of those shows. So Bowl After Bowl had episode 126. Uh, previously, that was a Bowls with Buds with Boobery, Mothman of the Miniocalypse. And that was fun. Yeah, but we're talking about 127. I, I'm doing it in order. Hold on. Okay, okay, I'm, okay. And then uh, number 127 was just Tuesday. Uh, so we had What About the Bowlers? <laughs> I think it was the episode title of that. And man, Sir Spencer is like uh, Johnny Ring of Fire. He's going across the uh, the whole internet spreading rings of fire like Johnny Appleseed. Johnny Lightning Seed. Johnny Lightning Seed. Jeez. There, there's a song there. Uh, it just hasn't been done yet. And of course, the the metal moment. I always like the metal moment, but they did uh, Green Hill Zone. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I'm all psyched up for the Sonic 2 movie, by the way. I want to talk about it on this show. Uh, Idris Elba as Knuckles. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be off the hook. Yeah, and behind the schemes, uh, just get back to him for a second. They had their episode 79. I shall please placebo placebo. I'm not sure what the reference was. Uh, maybe he said it on the show. I just didn't catch it. They're tomatoes in Japan. Do you hear that segment? Yeah, I did. It was very interesting. GMO tomatoes. They're expensive as fuck. Yeah, I, w I would not pay that much for my tomatoes. That's for sure. And uh, they also had that little, uh, the UFO. I always like the UFO stuff when it comes around, the sky donut. The, uh, that no, was from the speaking of UFOs, that brings us back to bowl after bowl as well, because for episode 127... Their question was the first time. First time I saw a UFO. These are great there shows. Some interesting. There were some interesting calls in to to say like different people with their first encounters with uh, with the aliens. The unidentified. No, that's great. Bowlafterbowl.com. You can check out uh, Bowl After Bowl with uh, Lorian and Spencer, and of course behind the schemes at BadRadio.live. You can hear that in Hogstory, Hogstory.net. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I did have something I'm looking forward to. Uh, we're going to have Tom Starkweather as our guest at the end of the month, so I guess the 26th, two shows from now. And it looked like, I think I heard it on the No Agenda show, they're going to be down in Nashville a little bit after that. And I'm trying to see if it's plausible, because there's a No Agenda meetup. And, yeah, the the skate the skating meetup where, where Adam and the Keeper are going to be there as well. I think it might be fun to try and get down there. And I looked at the drive. It's a six-hour drive. When the meetup's on a Monday, so you could take Monday off and then drive back that the next day. I don't know. I'm thinking You'd have to it. take Tuesday off as well yeah, if you're have, doing that. Yeah. Oh, well. We'll see what happens. I might. I may. I yeah, might. It definitely, I it definitely sounds like uh, definitely sounds like it will be a fun time. Too bad I'm all the way up here in Scandinavia. Yeah. Well, as far as Rare Encounter goes, we had some uh, feedback. Uh, we had some live yeah. boosts uh, that we should get into, and I think, uh, do you want to start with boosts, or do you want to start with something else? Well, all our donations are those boosts. Nice. So that gives us that gives us our executive producer and first and biggest booster from our show on Sunday, and that is none other than Boobery. Yeah, with 69, 69 sats. That's right, Boobery wants some action. And, well, uh, you know what? It's because we were talking about all these all these sex toys and these like AI sex toys and stuff. And you know what? You know what? Uh, you know what the sex bots run on, right? They use sixty-nine bit processors. Sixty-nine <laughs> bit processors. Oh man! So thank you, uh, Boobery, your executive producer. We also had a boost from uh, Cotton Gin five hundred eight. Yeah, with his usual five hundred eight. 
And we had one from Sir Spencer, 3333 sats. Yes. So you're all producing our uh, our Value for Value podcast, and, uh, look, you know, Booberry comes in at the top. So thank you all. Yep. Uh, I looked thank at the email you, thank really you, fast. Thank you. I don't see any email coming in, so yeah. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, that was that, short-lived. That was just the that was just for the, the for the Sunday show. We we're not necessarily going to read emails on other shows. Well, I did I did see an email that's related to Rare Encounter. Did you see the one from the podcast company saying claim your podcast? Oh yeah, that was that was because I added us to their directory. Okay, I was just wondering what yeah. that was about. Yeah, that was that was me. I should I should have given you a heads up on it. Sorry. I was just uh, no. What was the name of the company again? I'm trying to find the oh, list. Oh God, I don't even remember at this it was point. Waben Fang was the name of it. Uh, What's the name of the listen notes person who runs listen notes? Listen that's notes. It. That's it. Listen notes. Listen notes. You damn notes. You do what I tell you. You notes. That's that's how I play the guitar. I just say that to it. Listen, you notes. So I just popped open my drink. Yeah. Was it, what do you got? Uh, it has something to do with one of the songs I played uh, during the pre-show. Uh, is it vegetable juice? No, it is not. Is it triple baka? Nope. All right. It's what, Jaritos. What it? Jaritos, there you go. For Carlito. Carlitos. Jaritos. Guava flavor today. That's nice. I just got the, uh, I got the Swiss Miss with marshmallows, of course. And that's it. No mm-hmm. alcohol. Nah. I'm on the warm drink uh, kind of thing right now. Yeah. We'll go back We'll go back to drinking alcohol next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see what we got down on the list today. We got some stuff to talk about. We got some, uh, even though we just had a show, you know, uh, we, we still have some stuff to, to go through. Um, I could lead us off or you could lead us off. You lead us off. All right, I'll lead us off. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was this uh, follow-up from the, uh, actually, this is a follow-up from last week, the Peruvian statue that we talked about, the fertility statue. I read our notes. I actually went back and looked at the show notes in uh, my podcast app, and I noticed that we we annotated as a historically accurate nine-foot-tall fertility symbol <laughs> attacked by vandals. And I just wanted to clarify, for anyone reading the notes, I don't think that Peruvians were nine feet tall with a six-foot dick. No, they could have been, but uh, I don't think it's historically accurate. It, it's historically accurate in the sense that that ancient Peruvians did carve nine-foot-tall fertility symbols with six-foot dicks. <laughs> okay, I get not, it. Not that the Peruvians themselves were nine-foot-tall with six-foot dicks. I mean, I mean, even at that height, a six-foot dick, you get one heart on you and you die of blood loss. Well, you know, there's, uh, like, the mud flood. There could be something like that in the deep past. You don't know. Sometimes they find those dinosaurs. Maybe. You know, the mountain, which is really just where a dinosaur died? Yeah. Some weird stuff back okay. there, you know? It could be just like, uh, <laughs> this is a mountain. It's actually just someone's dick. Oh, that's a... If, if a mountain is a dick, that's a pretty big person. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. Um, Serpent, Serpent says, legendary Incan king. <laughs> Incan king. Oh, man. A lot, of, a lot of ink in that pen, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. Yeah. I was looking at uh, Ohio Podcast, too, uh, trying to get some sauce trying to get some lead on the uh the ohio culture and the the local legends and things like that and i found a kind of an interesting company i'm gonna listen to it and do a report on next time uh which is revolution radio and there's a bunch of stuff now some of the guys are from ohio i don't know if it's an ohio based thing but some of these uh shows on this stream 
are actually really kind of cool. I was just listening to stuff. They have Ohio Exopolitics is the name of one of the shows. And it, it has like a whole programming matrix with, um, you know, Studio A. You know, there's a there's a list of one, two, three. There's like 20 shows or something on this. And so I want to I want to find out what these guys are about. But I did have a problem with one of them. I, I uh, put it on and I listened to it and I had the most obnoxious ad at the beginning. And it was literally some I suppose she's supposed to be a famous comedian or something talking about condoms, which I don't know. I guess I shouldn't complain. We do a, a pretty blue show sometimes here. But it was just jarring. You hit play. And the first thing you hear is she's talking about, oh, you know, it's. I don't know. It's an ad for Trojans right at the beginning. And I got so thankful that we don't do ads <laughs> and I don't <laughs> listen to it. All the podcasts I listen to are the uh, of the value for value sort right now with a couple exceptions. But that's what's going on with me. I don't have a whole lot. I got my uh, hot oh, cocoa. Well, hot cocoa is good. <sighs> I um, mostly have stuff to complain about hey, hit me. For, for what I'm bringing in today. Hey, complain. But, uh, but before that, I want to I want to continue with uh, with something more interesting than me than me complaining. You know that <laughs> you know that there are nuclear weapons out in the wild. Um, yeah, I was sort of aware of that. Out in the wild, you mean like in the jungle, or you mean uh, in other nation states? Because I think there's a list of nuclear powers all over all over the world and lost. Hmm. Are these like Broken Arrow type events? They are Broken Arrow events. Ah, yes. there you go. You know, so I came across this. Uh, I came across this article a little while ago that actually, essentially, lists like all the different Broken Arrow events that have happened since the fifties. Yeah, you have to wonder if does this happen so often that they actually have a special name for it. I mean, that's just crazy. How I think they had the special name for it as a uh, as a as a code word for if this sort of situation did happen, and it turned out very useful that they did because between the United States and the Soviet Union, there have been like dozens of lost uh, nuclear warheads. Oh, In fact, even. Even to uh, even in the two thousands, there were there were uh, broken arrow events. The uh, the sinking or the loss of the Kursk, the uh, the Russian submarine, uh, because it had it had nuclear warheads on board. So it's it was considered uh, no. It, it's because. Is it because it had warheads or is it because it was a nuclear sub? Either way, it's being considered in this article as a broken arrow event. And then in August 2007, a bunch of nuclear warhead uh, cruise missiles were mistakenly loaded on a B-52 and transported from North Dakota to Louisiana. The warheads were supposed to have been removed... And just the missiles themselves transported, but that wasn't the case. Not only that, not only that, the usual mandatory security for nuclear weapons were not in place for 36 hours after the aircraft landed at Barksdale. Yeah, they just didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, sounds like such so a typical it, thing. So it just goes to show you that, like, even today, these guys can't keep track of their loads. <laughs> 
No. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about some of this. I mean, people were pretty careless. I mean, look at Rocky Flats. We've, we've spoken about that. You remember what Rocky Flats was? Remind me. It was a plutonium trigger uh, factory in Colorado, and I used to live somewhat near it. And it's uh, it was the site of a big fire where uh, one of the things happen- that happens when you're machining plutonium into different shapes, you end up with a bunch of little scraps and spur metal, you know. And they have to collect that and uh, store it until they can, I don't know what they do with it next. But the bottom line is they have a bunch of, uh, you know, extra material for machining it. And one of the things that I learned about plutonium is when you get a bunch of those little threads of it together uh, and they get pushed together and left alone, they actually catch on fire. <laughs> and so they yep. had a bunch of fires going on with uh, with Rocky Flats. And I'm, I'm looking at a list of events, and it looks like in the 60s they had big disasters at Rocky Flats where they had a fire. And then in the, later in the 60s they had another one and another one. And up until the 80s, and then I think it was the 90s when it actually burned down, uh, they had... You know, you, you think about, well, I've got a plutonium trigger factory. It's this big uh, national asset, and it's a high-security kind of thing. And, you know, the stories I've heard, I've gotten to speak to people who lived in the area. And they said, oh, my wife worked at that, you know, back when it was uh, a thing. Or I have some friends who used to work there, and here's what they said. And they had all these horror stories about how careless everyone was with the nuclear material. So I just pulled up, I just pulled up the uh, Book Knowledge article. Apparently... It didn't burn down. They halted production in 1989 after an EPA and FBI raid. And they formally shut down the entire facility in 1992. Rocky Flats definitely burned down, and there was a big fallout map uh, because there's a huge contamination problem out there. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying they didn't have burn, they didn't have times where they burned down. But they weren't doing any plutonium work there anymore after '89. Yeah, they uh, they actually and they scrapped. started tearing the place. They started tearing the place down in the early '90s. Yep. Although part of part of the former facility remains a super fun site. They, I've been there. By and the way. rest of the rest of the area is considered a wildlife refuge. Mainly to keep people from going all through there, I would assume. Yeah, you can walk out there if you want. They, supposedly, there's a train. I'm told there's because they had a train uh, on some train tracks, and no one would scrap it because no one wanted the the potentially radioactive, you know, train. And so what they did is they just pulled up the tracks around it, and they just left it out there. So there's a radioactive train out in the field if you hike out <laughs> there. I had a, I had That's a, pretty cool. I had some friends who actually, they uh, got a Geiger counter from the, I can't remember if they got a Geiger counter from the lab or something, or they, I, I forget what they did, but they actually went on a hike out there and they were like fishing around to see what they could see. But the story I'm told about it is that the, well, the radioactive material is really heavy, obviously, because it's really high up on the periodic table. And it has a tendency to kind of filter down into the ground and, you know, if it gets onto uh, the surface of a pond, well, it sinks to the bottom of the pond, and then it sinks to the bottom of the mud in the pond, and it just kind of stays there, and you're, it's not too dangerous. Until something eats it. Well, it's generally safe as long as you don't go dredging up the bottom of it, or you start building foundations, uh, digging foundations in the area. And that's what they were doing when I was leaving Colorado, is they were putting up a bunch of uh, housing development right on rocky flats. So oh, wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, trying to hide the fact it was Rocky Flats. Very scamish. 
But yeah, most of the site, it seems at least, is is wildlife reserve, and part of the part of the original site remains a super fun site. But mm. I guess the I guess the rest of the area wasn't as developed, and they felt it was safe enough to redevelop. Well, Although, it's I bullshit. Mean, no, if they you, If you know the history of the area, then you're like, do I really want to buy a house here? I might end up glowing in the dark after a couple of years. They weren't, because um, they've been trying to run a really pointless extension. There's a road that goes around Denver called, uh, it's E-470 on one side, and it's this big pay highway. And it doesn't make a full, it's the beltway, but it doesn't make a full circle because Rocky Flats is right in the way. And they keep trying to go and say, oh, well, we want to put the highway right through there. And so they send out soil testers to go out and dig some holes and get soil samples. They send it to the lab and say, hey, is there um, uh, material out here which we think is dangerous or not? And the lab tests keep coming back and they say, yeah, we think there is. So don't build here anymore. So it's not necessarily safe. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, but then, of course, like we talk about, as soon yeah. as you get the builders, you know, the people who want to build a bunch of ugly boxes and, uh, you know, build apartment complexes on every piece, square piece of land they can get for cheap, uh, build them out of plywood, not, a, not even out of plywood, build them out of particle board, you know, that kind of crap. Well, they don't care. If there's a zoning law in the area, they'll, they'll get the zoning law changed. You know, there's a tendency for that sort of thing to happen. So somehow they got, I don't know how, but somehow they got the approval to start building there. Doesn't sound like a good idea. How is, how is that big developers tend to have more financial resources available to them than municipal governments? Mm -hmm. Sadly, that's the way it is. And so despite it, despite it not being safe enough to run a road through it, it is somehow safe enough to build a basement. <laughs> so. Yep. Oh, well, it's an, it's actually a Pretty retirement stupid. facility. It's a, uh, a old, it's like a 50 oh, plus Oh, well, then so. that's, that's fine. The, the, the residents will all kick it before the radiation turns them into mutants anyway. Yeah. Seems that way. You know, there was a cool bar. It was called the Rocky Flats Bar and Grill, and it was... Also burned down uh, some years ago, and uh, I was talking to the guy. I was going there a lot to uh, just chat with him while he was trying to reopen. He was trying to get a liquor license from the local county, and they were, he's getting the cold shoulder from everyone. Like they wouldn't, they're supposed to approve his uh, his getting the liquor license, and I don't know, it was like sixty days or something like that. It was going on months and months and months. Yeah, it was just bullshit, you know. The the local municipality didn't like him. They sure like the, the developers with the money. You know, oh, well, say la vie. I'm sure that guy's completely gone, too, you know, because he just got his liquor license in uh, right when I was packing up. So it was like March of 2020. And then I think he was they were in dire straits to start because they had it, it was all their own money. You know, they didn't have it was a couple of guys who all worked at a golf course together and they ran the the. Um, uh, what is it? The restaurant and the bar at the golf course. And they said, yeah, we know how we can do this ourselves. We're going to buy this bar. It's, it's going to be our thing. And they pooled all their own, their own money to put it together. And then, you know, it was, well, March 2020, they shut down everything in the damn state. So I can't imagine that they're, uh, that they're solvent. Yeah. yeah, they're probably insolvent. You know, that's a sad state. It was a cool guy. It totally does suck. He used to talk about uh, working on Titan missiles. <laughs> Oh, nice. He is, so I go I go inside, and I couldn't get a beer, so we get, like, a Coke, and we just chat, because uh, I'd head up there after work, and he'd talk about, oh, yeah, back when I worked at the silos, and, uh, you know, 
I got promoted once because I figured out you could launch it without orders from the president or something. He said, oh, so if I did this and that, then they'd uh, then uh, it bypass all the safety and I could just launch it. And the, his boss says, yeah, usually what we do is when people figure that out, we just promote them. <laughs> promote them so, to get them out and, of there. And so he said, and so he said, yeah, well, I got a promotion just for figuring it out. And because uh, they say, yeah, we don't want you to, you know, to do anything. So that's the way they dealt with that situation was uh, it was a fun story. Fun stories from like the 70s and 80s. I miss that shit, man. I, I love going out to random places and talking to strangers. I need to do that more in Ohio. Yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully shit will wind down soon once everybody's gotten Omicron, and then you can go wandering around and meeting strangers and talking to them. Yeah. Oh, well, that was that. There's some Colorado uh, flashback there, Rocky Flats. It's a fun story, and you can go find the YouTube video of the indictment where they get the nuclear experts talking about everything that they did wrong and how terrible uh, the administrators were. It's a great, riveting uh, thing to clip. You know, uh, someone like Dean Reiner, some show that, that well, maybe, maybe we could do it. You know, we could go deep on that. We could get all those clips and do it. Yeah, it's not like we haven't gone deep on nuclear before, right? I yeah. mean... We had that episode where we're covering what had happened. Yeah, the Fukushima in Japan. Yeah, the, Fu- the Fukushima ten years later when we had uh, when we had my brother on. Yeah, there's a great. Uh, I really like those clips we put on that where he talked about how to how they established the safety thresholds. I don't know if you remember those, mm-hmm. but the detailed studies. If you listen to his long format interview, the detailed studies of every single event where people were known to be exposed to different levels of radiation. They have them charted and, and everything, and they say who had negative effects for exposure to radiation, and at what level was that? What the what was the um, the uh, the dose? You know, and it's just fascinating to hear it all laid out. In a way that makes sense. Oh, so that's how you establish the safety profile of things. It's a very reasonable, very reasonable uh, approach that they did. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, what do we got down on the rundown now? Um, I had uh, some follow-up on your Japan copyright group thing. Yeah. Uh, can you remind everyone what that story was? It was. Uh, uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find the story again. It's like disappeared. Hmm. Well, the the basic idea was they were trying to put together a group of a bunch of different companies uh, that were going to prosecute international fan subbers and uh, manga distributors, scanlators, and uh, basically try and curb copyright issues with uh, Japanese media. And the uh, I, I think the bottom line was it sounded like it was just what the music industry was doing in the mid-aughts and where they're trying to send letters to everyone who downloaded a torrent ever. And, you know, I, it's like disappointing. Yeah, this, this CODA group. So uh, they... To, la- to launch in April, it says, yeah. Yeah. They have um, a presence in the Philippines and China. And I found out Japan has a big issue with people um, buying the digital manga and then uploading it to a server. And there was a guy in the Philippines who got arrested for it. And it was like him and his girlfriend, and they were Japanese citizens, I guess, but they were living in the Philippines, and they had a foreign bank account, and they were uh, they ran some website, and they're in some uh, real hot water because of this sort of thing, and they're the poster child of the uh, the evil fans or the evil uh, manga pirators. <laughs> so I don't know. We've talked about copyright on here before, and one of the things that I think about when I think about, for example, music sharing. I don't buy music that I haven't listened to before. 
And I don't think a lot of people do. I, I yacked about this on Ablecraft enough uh, back when, when I did Ablecraft with Sir Spencer. And one of the things that I've noticed is if you want to listen to someone's new album, you can usually find it on like YouTube. You just listen to it for free. And so we're yeah. in a situation where people who are buying MP3s or they're buying digital music, uh, they're either, well, the two ways they're getting is either you subscribe to something like Spotify, and that's a different beast. But if you're actually just going to buy the album, I've never, I don't think I've bought an album where I didn't at least hear five or six, maybe, maybe two or three songs on it uh, before I actually bought it. Whether it's on Bandcamp or on YouTube or on the radio or something like that, you know, where you hear a couple singles. So the idea that just being able to hear the music is going to stop someone from buying it, I think if you hear the music ahead of time, it encourages, it certainly encourages me to buy stuff that I like. And I figure manga is the same way. I think their big problem, from my perspective anyway, is that there's no great way to get digital manga in the U.S. or I guess North America. Not that I'm aware of. There's no great way of getting uh, digital manga in English, period, other than other than like the uh, scanlators, because you can't you can't always trust the official translations, because half half of the half of those companies are just as woke as yeah, it's terrible. Netflix and. And like Sony, well, Sony's divisions, right? Uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just sad. The state of the industry is sad. On, it, honestly, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If I could, if I could send, if I could send money like directly to the artists and authors, right of of the manga that I'm reading. I'd be I'd be ridiculously happy, and I would send I would send like every chapter, like the same way that uh, the same way that we got value for value working in the in the podcasting sphere, right? Yeah, we need that. I think that I think that's I think that's a lot. I think that's a lot better than the supposed value add of the localize localization firms, right? Mm -hmm. That are taking it and putting it in English, but wokeifying it at the same time. Yeah. That's just sad. I don't know what to say. I mean... The, it, o the, only, re the only reason I'm, like, totally legit on the licensed light novels is because those, like, the only way you're gonna get, like, a readable translation is by paying for the, yeah. paying for the full thing, right? Because the fan, the fan translators, they can... They can do manga, they can do anime pretty decently, but when you've got like something as heavy as an actual book, yeah, it like the the quality seems to go right down the shitter. It's funny how visual novels are almost an exception to that because they have a huge script, but there's some some fan translation groups were really good. I'm thinking of yeah, um, that's true. You know, like cross channel. Do you ever read cross channel? I have it, but I haven't gone i hadn't gone very far in it oh that was a great story that was a visual novel where you play as um it, it's the radio broadcasting club and there's a bunch of kind of misfit kids and they're not really uh they don't really get along you know there's a lot of tension in the air and they're not great friends or anything and they go out on a camping trip and for a couple i think it was a day or two and they're just out in the woods together but then when they come back from the camping trip 
the whole city's empty. Everyone's gone. And so they walk back in and, you know, they can get in the school and they go back to their houses and there's no family there. There's no parents there. It's like the whole world is devoid of people except for them. And that's the premise of the, of the, uh, the, the visual novel. Then, because they're the broadcast club, they're saying, well, you know, we've got the radio tower we've been trying to build on top of the school. we got to put that together and see if we can contact anyone. And uh, I won't spoil everything that happens in there, but it's a, it was a fun, uh, fun game. And it was inspired the Nautica Crash. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I mostly know it from, right, is playing Nautica Crash. <laughs> there was a character in the, in the game called Nautica, and she would ride a bike. And one of the things that she, they did as a gag, it's like a repeated gag, is the protagonist would be uh, hanging out, talking to someone, and she'd just ride up at full speed behind people and crash right into them and knock them down. <laughs> like, violently knock people over. It was, uh... So someone took all the sprites from the game and they, uh, they made a Flash game out of it, which is kind of cool. Where you try and launch a guy as far as possible with your bike... And uh, get them, you know, you set like the angle of uh, the angle of launch and the force of launch, and you try to blast them up and get them to go as far as you can. It's a fun little mini game. Yeah, you need Flash to play it still, though. So, yeah. what's the status of? Uh, I guess Flash is completely gone. We have HTML5, Canvas stuff, and WebGL. Are those still the preferred? Flash is no longer is no longer developed, and. All, like the plugins are no longer around, but there are there are Flash apps for running the Flash applets. Yeah, it's not the same though. Like this, and um, <clears throat> I believe one of them is primarily developed by the uh, by the community behind. Oh, what's that site again? That one, that Newgrounds. Newgrounds, yeah. Yeah, the Newgrounds community, because I mean that was like the place to go for Flash games yeah. back in the day. Do you have any favorites uh, from Newgrounds? I remember there was this... Uh, there was this... I don't know if I'd exactly call it a game. <laughs> well, yeah. But uh, it involved, involved this ninja girl character from the, some fighting game series. And, well, let's just say... Uh, Hands and ropes are involved. <laughs> it's cheese. <laughs> oh man, Newgrounds. Everything... Of course, Nanaka Crash as well was was a bit of a hit on Newgrounds, even though the original developer didn't come from the Newgrounds community. There was a couple couple old Flash games I used to love. One was the Dice Wars, where you just fight you fight a um, basically an AI. Uh, with different dice and uh, you kind of stack up the dice on the different territories and you attack and there's a there's a defender's bonus and stuff and um, it's almost like a risk kind of game where you get more part more uh, more pieces every uh, turn and then you try and conquer the world mm. dice wars I played the hell out of that and uh, some of the tower defense stuff it was fun yeah there fun was times. a few good tower defense games out of there uh, the guy behind the site Tom Fulp okay. was also behind the behemoth that developed a few uh, fun console games that had more or less started out as uh, as Flash games on Newgrounds. Yeah. Like Alien, Alien Hominid? No, I Remember never that, that one? one. No. No? And he was also the one behind uh, Castle Crashers, which also has the same sort of style. 
which I don't think was on Newgrounds, but it was from Behemoth. You know what was a lot of fun was those way, way back before Warcraft 3 really had the uh, the custom game where you could use the map editor to script a bunch of stuff. Um, that was a lot of fun. But even before that with StarCraft where you had the use map settings maps, there was, I have an archive of those somewhere from you know way back in the day of all the different stupid mini games and things, you know, like you had the StarCraft poker game. And I think we're, we were talking about doing this with Matt <laughs> from uh, Maps with Matt. Hey, shit, Maps with Matt. Dot com. Let's see if there's a new episode. It's been a while since he's done any episodes. And oh, he he's coming up on a year. doesn't even show up online as much as he used to. Uh, we've got February 21. That'll be the one-year anniversary of his previous episode. Uh-oh. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Matt, come back! My come maps. back, Matt! My maps! Did you listen to the uh, Abel and the Wolf album, by the way? I keep meaning to, but I haven't gotten around to listening to the whole thing yet. Oh, come on. All right. Um, but part, there's part, a- of it, part of it is because what I use as my music player is not lightning-enabled. Oh, yeah. I want to make sure that when I listen to it, you and Sir Spencer and all the guest musicians all get your fair share of sats. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, It was a lot of fun to make, by the way. I don't think I've talked about it on Rare Encounter as much as I should have. Um, but that was the album that I worked on with. It was Sir Spencer. And we had some other people who checked in and out and... and you know, helped us with a couple ideas along the way. But ultimately, I think all the material was just Sir Spencer and I that actually made it to the album. One of the things was some of the songs, like we worked on a song with Fletcher, but we had to cut it. Um, we actually wrote the song, and it had a bunch of time signature changes in it, and we just couldn't make it work. It was like the joke we kept talking to ourselves was, yeah, we wrote this song. It sounds really cool in your head, but then we found out we're not actually good enough to record it. <laughs> so uh, we had to scrap that one. But the uh, the bottom line was the the album was a a uh, kind of a lightning enabled music uh, you know demo was the original idea where we wanted to put something together that says hey look we can do this we can record music original music and publish it ourselves through a website we don't need anyone's permission we can receive payments and we don't need anyone's permission we don't need to have a uh, what do they call it when you set up a uh, like a storefront on a website it's a uh, there's a special word for that that module that you can put on, like where you have a payment processor. So we didn't have to have any of that. We just put up the RSS with the right tags in, and it's been working. And so I still see uh, coming through Abel and the Wolf boosts, people talking about it and sending us messages and stuff. So like I can open up now, and I just see, you know, uh, from Stay a While, which is one of the tracks on there. I see people coming in, thousand sets, thousand sets for all the different songs on there. So. It's still getting traction, you know. It's every time I open up my mm-hmm. my boostograms, I see all this stuff, and it's so wild too because you can get the statistics that, like, uh, if you went through something like Spotify or Bandcamp, or if you go SoundCloud, I think some of them you have to get the premium option and basically pay them to get the full statistics. Um, even stuff like YouTube, you know, I guess YouTube has some good tools for that. But we have the same thing through podcasting 2.0 where I can tell what song is the most popular, who's streaming, uh, you know, uh, when do people check in and check out of the album, you know. And, and so what you see with the statistical profile of how often are people playing the different songs, you find out, oh, well, the first track is 
has a shitload of plays, and it kind of tapers off until you get the single in the middle of the album. Then there's a big spike there, and then it tapers off for the rest of the album. And when I saw that, I it was amazing because that's the profile of any pop album. The statistical profile of plays on any pop album where it's a lot of plays at the beginning, and then the singles have a lot, and then the rest of the album kind of tapers off towards the end. And so when I saw that, I said, yeah. man, it's that's some evidence that people are listening to this album the same way that they listen to other music, where they're checking in and checking out at the same points, and uh, they're uh, going towards the singles. you know. And, and so I guess the, I'm, I'm just <laughs> trying to get to a point here. Uh, I took that as some evidence that everything was working right. Yeah, it's still a, a a lot of fun, you know. Whenever I see those messages come in, I still get them. And we we're gonna do a follow up, by the way. Uh, maybe this is my cue that I need to get with Sir Spencer and uh, get an Ablecraft retrospective pumped out. Yeah. So, what about you? You got any good projects this year? Big plans for twenty twenty two? Outside of uh, outside of work, not really. I I mean, I've got. I've got lots of stuff that I need to take care of, but right now I don't really have any sort of big plans. Not like that. What about a game jam? You want to do a game jam? Oh, that I do a game jam every year. I'm, yeah, you do toe. Or at least I try to. There's toe this jam, right? big game jam that happens in, in Toronto What's called toe? Uh, toe Jam. Yeah. Or Toronto Game Jam. Uh, I've talked about it before and like... Last year, me and uh, my friend Zalman, we put together this. We put together this platformer game. Yeah, I played over it. over a weekend. Yeah, when's, yeah. When is Toe Jam again? What month is it? May. May. No, it's coming. Oh, their website is down. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. I was looking at um, the Nano Reno stuff again. Wondering Uh-oh. if I'm getting the itch. I've done a couple of those. They're, uh, they're always fun. They're always hectic. But every once in a while, I get the itch. I gotta go write something. I gotta write some fiction or put something out there. After I'm coming down off from Abel and the Wolf after all that stuff, and I'm waiting, uh, maybe in another week or two, I'm gonna be starving for another creative project to put something, put all my effort into. So, oh well. Yeah. I'll come up with something. I think so, yeah, we... I'm, I'm probably gonna do Toe Jam again uh, this year. <clears throat> what kind of game you want to make? Rare Encounter game? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I think we should make a platform with you and me. Usually, I start thinking about that sometime in April. I think we should make a Rare Encounter game with with, with starring you and I, and uh, it could be a platformer. Maybe it could be an RPG, and you go through a day in a day in the life of Abel Kirby and Cold Acid. It'll be a companion for the podcast. You can even listen to the podcast while you play the game. Oh, uh, a game, a game where a game where you go through my ordinary everyday life. I, I mean, you, I'm sure I'm sure there are things that are less exciting out there, like being in a coma. <laughs> you can have if you want to control cold acid. What you have to do is use Emacs. Yeah, there you <laughs> that's go. How, that's how you move cold acid around. I don't yeah, know you're you using you're using like every single uh, every single like bucky key on your keyboard all at once <laughs> it's, there's no thing that you can get if you want cold acid to do anything there's a minimum of three keys you have to hold at the same time oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man uh, abel kirby just wanders around it'll be uh it'll just uh, it'll be a markov process where he just wanders he'll go north then he'll go south then he'll go north then he'll go south then he might go east you know with no yeah. aim yeah, that'd be fun aimless 
Aimless and shameless. Aimless and shameless. All right, we got to go back to the well here. I'm looking at the Potato Pro. <laughs> I guess that's the problem. I still have some other stuff. I said there were things I wanted to complain about, right? Oh, bring it up. Complain away. Yeah, so... Dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. D&D. Yeah. It's D&D. So, so back in December, back in December, like, news was coming out that uh, Wizards is removing more problematic oh boy stuff from D D. like they they're getting rid of the negative racial stereotypes oh so like so like where where like an orc has like negative two to whatever you roll for charisma. intelligence stuff like that oh, right yeah. and charisma my goblin has Appar no apparently that <laughs> apparently apparently it's not woke enough to have to have that so they're going through they're going through all their, all their like included the published books, and they're, and they're like making these edits to them to take out the stuff that isn't woke enough anymore. Yeah, which is fucking. I I say it's like pretty pretty stupid, pretty annoying, and it's just more stuff that pisses off the grognards, who have been the ones that until fourth edition at least have been the people who've been buying all the D&D stuff and keeping everything running, right? But no, they don't they don't want to they don't want to appeal anymore to the people who were playing D&D back in the 70s, 80s, 90s who remember who remember like the basic the basic kits and when it was called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Right? AD and D. Fuck off, all you boomers and Gen Xers. We don't want you anymore. We want the woke millennials who don't have any money and don't buy anything and just bitch online all the time. Like, who the fuck comes up with these, like, ideas? And who who the fuck is approving these ideas? And do they have any do they have any concept of like how they are in the long run fucking their bottom lines? So where is everyone going to move? So, you know, you can't control... It's Wizards of the Coast, right? Apparently, apparently they are moving to a alternative superhero RPG called Ascendant. Hmm. And this I saw in Bounding Into Comics uh, last week. It wasn't something we were going to cover on Sunday's episode because we already had something in mind. But uh, yeah, this this article came out around just too late for me to bring it up in last week's uh, show, but published on the fifth. And you look at the art for this, and it's got like that that sort of art style that the woke would hate because it's got like chicks with big tits and <laughs> and white dudes, and uh -oh, you know it's like yeah, can't have that. A blonde woman in a skimpy costume. Oh, no. We know China's getting rid of those, too. Like, they have... Um... No, China. China's doing the, other, doing the other way around. They're getting rid of all the... They're getting rid of the woke shit and, like, the pussy men. No, 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 no. Hold on. Take a step back. Uh, China is banning video games for having bikini armor in it. You're not allowed. Oh to, yeah, it's actually that, not allowed. It's verboten in, in mainland China. Yeah, but that's not. Be, that's. I don't think that's because of wokeness. I think that's because 
they don't want they don't want guys going and just like fap into comics and not actually like trying to produce more Chinese people to take over the world with. Hmm. I, don't I mean, what... they went. They went up to you. Know, remember, they had the one child limit. Yep. Then they upped it to two uh, a few years ago, and apparently they're now up to three. Hmm. They're really is what I heard. Is what I heard most recently that you can, if you're if you're Chinese living in uh, occupied China, you can now have up to three kids. They're really going hard on the censorship of video games. Oh, they I go hear. hard on the censorship of everything, though. But I'm talking in recent years, it keeps stepping up to the point where uh, if you get the list, say, oh, we should do a story on that. Maybe we'll do that next week. Um, I'm going to get the the list of all the popular games and some descriptions of what they are. Uh, it's not... Hmm. It's an interesting... I, I won't spoil it. I, I don't want to spoil it. So let's shut up, and we'll get to that next week. There's a teaser. Ooh, listen to Rare Encounter next week. So even, like... Gygax uh, Jr., like, Gary Gygax's son, who is, like, you know that Gary Gygax, Gary was his middle name, right? I did not know that, actually. Yeah, he was actually Ernest uh, Gary Gygax. Mm -hmm. And his son, Ernie Gygax Jr., uh, apparently is reviving classic TSR. And he was speaking out... Uh, last summer about how Wizards has handled the Dungeons and Dragons brand and the whole and the whole like and the whole like writing off of people who want like the more traditional gaming experience instead of having having the game shitted up with with social justice and uh, critical race theory and all this other shit that gets in the way of actually playing a game instead of like pushing a particular narrative. So where are we? I got a bunch, I got a bunch of articles that are going into the show notes that cover this whole, this whole thing. Uh, Going back to going back to the removal of problematic lore. There is actually a statement from the executive producer of the D and D product line there. They, and he said, we no longer feel that such guidance is useful or appropriate. So yeah, no more, no more evil, uh, evil, uh, black elves or dark elves. No more, no more dumb and ugly orcs, despite the fact that, I mean, that's how, that's how they've always been in like, throughout like fictional, the history of, uh, of fantasy fiction, right? <laughs> Yeah, you ever see an orc win a game of chess? Neither have I. I've seen him slam the chess table <laughs> over somebody's head. It's time to flip this table, boy. Yeah, so where are we? Oh my god. Where are you going to go? Here, here's, a, here's a headline <sighs> from February. Dungeons and Dragons to introduce first wheelchair accessible adventure. Are, can't you play Dungeons and Dragons sitting down? I mean, usually that's how I've done it. No, apparently, apparently the dungeon that you explore in this module is wheelchair accessible. So you can have, you can have like a cripple character who can wheel themselves through the entire place. All right. So this is going to be the Katawa Shoujo uh, Toe Jam fan game where you play as the, uh, you know, Emmy can, uh, well, she doesn't have a wheelchair, I guess. She has those blades. That's what yeah, we're she, has, she has the running blades. There we, there we go. There, there we go. Our, we'll have our... 
We'll have our anti-woke game jam where we create games involving uh, social justice stereotypes and cripples. Oh my god. So where are you going to go to get a better game? Because obviously this isn't cutting it. Wizards of the Coast uh, doesn't seem interested in catering to you or people like you, and they want to cater Honestly, to the even Reddit. before, even before all the woke bullshit, they weren't they weren't uh, appealing to me, anyways. So where are you gonna go? Uh, from, what other game like, are you gonna get? From fourth edition on, it's just been stupid bullshit. Fourth edition, you know what it was? It was essentially World of Warcraft. On a tabletop. That's not what I. That's not role playing, as far as I'm concerned. That's that's just video game bullshit on on like paper and with miniatures, right? Yeah. So I've been I've been going for all the old school Renaissance stuff, and even though a lot of like OSR uh, developers are themselves wokies. There's still a lot of actual good stuff that appeals to my sense of play, and that uh, and that like doesn't overload you with all this social justice horseshit. Hmm. Can you buy one of these games with Bitcoin? I don't know. Does uh, do these sites like Drive Through RPG take I, Bitcoin yet? I'm, I'm actually looking at Drive Through RPG right now. Uh, I don't see a way to buy Bitcoin. Or, well, or you wouldn't buy be buying with, Bitcoin buy on drive-through RPG. You'd be buying Bitcoin from like, from well, like you, a uh, well, exchange. You, you make Bitcoin yourself. What I'm saying is, uh, buy a game with Bitcoin or with Lightning. Yeah. Core rule books. There you go. Yeah, unfortunately. So there's your niche. You need to have a uh, website where you deal games uh, and you can buy with Bitcoin. Savage so there's actually there's actually a. Uh, an OSR style game system that I did end up like originally buying the PDFs and then I ended up buying uh, hardbacks of all the books. Hmm. It's called Beyond the Wall. Beyond the Wall. I think we've And it it's about pretty that. interesting because character creation is also is also part of uh, world creation. So the the game master and the players are like collaboratively developing the entire community and environment that they will be that they will be uh, adventuring in. Okay. So it's, it's really neat that way. It's uh, I can't really play it with uh, with my offline friends because it's not like they're all they're all used to. D and D third edition onwards, and this is like somewhere between basic and first edition AD and D. I'm looking at the content policy for Drive Through RPG, and I've I found a, a story talking about Tournament of Rapists uh, was a game what? which I guess I guess got pulled from it. I'm trying to figure out what the from 2015. Uh, Do you have a link for this? Uh, I I think this has to go into the notes. Well, no, I don't. I'm just googling. Uh, the CEO responds to the controversy. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't have a good story. I don't have a good link for anything. But it looks like that was a title. Someone tried to put up something like that, and it got pulled. And uh, interesting. You know, my question is: Is it better or worse than Fatal? Fatal. 
I don't know. Well, you you remember the stories about Fatal, right? Roll for anal, anal circumference. Anal circumference, yeah. I've never played that. I don't think anybody has ever seriously played it. I use a it is the it is the eye of argon of role playing systems. <laughs> yes, uh, you know uh, you you really want to use like a D six for that, not a D one hundred. You don't want to have a lot of anal circumference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Eh, interesting. I should. Uh, I should. No, well, actually, I shouldn't. But I am tempted to throw in a link about Fatal into the show notes. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, sure. I, w- I will, as a bonus for our live listeners, throw the 1D4chan link into uh, into the chat. Uh, there's some fun stuff on there. Remember they had there a game is. called the... Uh, what was the Driving Lesbians game? Where you're Driving ra- Lesbians? Where, where you have two stats. You have girl and car are the only two stats in the game. And so you can upgrade girl or upgrade car, if I remember right. It's very simple rules, uh, and then you play the to play the game. You're uh, participating in races with the other players, like like street racing. So I searched for driving lesbian on the Wendy Four Chan wiki, and I'm not seeing anything that really comes up with that. I see it. Um, I'll send the link to you. Ba-ba-ba-ba. There's rare encounter. I think this was it. Car lesbians. Okay. Yes. Yeah, hotness and car. That was it. The characters. Oh, only this, have two this stats. is not one D four chan. This is this is the bullshit thing where where Wikia like rips off other wikis and copies all their content. It's a don't 1D- link to don't link to anything fandom.com. Fuck that. Fuck those fuckers. Okay, well you can get a better link then. Uh, oh, I will. Some funny, I have. Uh, there's they've got some funnier uh, funny games on there. Let me just leave it at that. See also catfight lesbians. <laughs> yeah, they got everything there. These are all yeah. ideas for the rare encounter game. TG is one of the is one of the few boards left that isn't like totally ruined by retardation. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> See some dumb stuff on there myself. But maybe Here, completely ruined. Car Lesbians is a fem slash car slash sexploitation racing game created by TG to troll slash you. The basic premise is that you have a car and you are a lesbian. You must drive around in your car and make out with other lesbians. This is a literal 100% accurate description of the last 10 minutes of Revolutionary Girl Utena yep. Adolescence Apocalypse. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's a... Uh... I don't know. I always thought there was a fun characters have game. two stats: hotness and car. Yep. And you have dice pools, so you can upgrade your yep. hotness or upgrade your car to race better. You know, dice pools. Dice pools are so annoying to roll, especially as they get bigger. Because as they get bigger, you've got more you've got to roll, and the more you're rolling at once, the louder it is. Oh man. Well, we got anything to wrap up with? I'm okay with ending right. Uh, I do want to bring up. I do want to bring up one, one last thing, and I, I'm, I feel like I maybe mentioned it on the show, but it might have just been in conversations, not during the show itself, and that's a rare marriage. How to grill our love? A rare encounter marriage. We're grilling our love. No, a, 
Yep, it is a it is a slice of life slash romance slash cooking manga about about a couple that in that meet each other through a dating app and get married straight away and learn about each other and deepen their relation by barbecuing on the weekends. <laughs> Barbecue, man. And this as as a guy who will barbecue even in the middle of winter this touches my heart oh my god wow and given how cute given how cute the female main character is i, I wish other things were being touched too <laughs> okay those. <laughs> i think we're gonna leave it at that uh, yeah that that deserves a <laughs> Well, we get some stuff to do. We get some topics for next week. We got to pull in. Um, then we'll have Tom Stark. That'll be the 19th. Tom Stark weather on the 26th. No, and, the, uh, yep. Until next time, Enable Kirby. Remember, we're value for value enabled, and I'm cold acid. Yep. Adios. Stay foody, boys. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't sad?